You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Neto, memories. Ten years ago, I was a junior reporter for TV5's news site, Interaction. Siguro mga August din nung araw na yon. Dumating ako sa office ready to spend the day sa aircon. But then, our editor told me I'd spend the rest of the day in a garage. Malamok, mainit, at medyo madilim. Garahe to specifically ni Attorney Rod Domingo. He was one of the lawyers of the human rights victims nung dictatorship ni President Ferdinand Marcos Sr. With a few other journalists and a couple of interns, I spent the rest of the week in that garage. And our task was to go through the affidavits of these thousands of martial law victims. We scanned them, we photocopied as much as we could, and we preserved them. Ang tawag namin dito, The Memory Project. Ako po si Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Teka Teka News. In 2012, I got to know and I feel like I met hundreds of martial law victims over five days. At gusto kong ibahagi sa inyo ang mga hindi ko na malilimutan. Pero warning lang. Some of the things you'll hear are quite disturbing. They're graphic, they're violent, and they're possibly even triggering. This will not be easy to listen to. The old boxes had different labels on them. Summary execution, torture, salvage, at ang dami. Yung boxes palang ah, they were arranged in numbered rows. Each number represented a human rights victim. One to one hundred, two thousand one to three thousand, four thousand one to four thousand one hundred. We carried some out to the yard that would become our headquarters for the week. And after these documents were kept in the dark. Unknown to 99.99% of Filipinos, para silang nakahinga. Even among the few lawyers, researchers, officials, and NGOs who were conscious of their existence and what they contained, most of these boxes had remained untouched for over a decade. We scraped dried masking tape off the lids. Inside were thick folders overflowing with documents. Sturdy rubber bands tied each bursting bundle together. I was in my early 20s. 
I was born after the EDSA revolution. So wala pa ako nung naging presidente si Marcos nung 1965. Wala pa rin ako nung official period of martial law from 1972 to 1981. Binaril si Ninoy Aquino nung 1983. Nag-people power nung 1986. And not only was I not a memory at the time, wala pa yata ako sa imagination. But I had read, I'd been taught, and I even took a few tests and quizzes about the Marcos dictatorship. Kasama na dun yung legacy ng corruption and human rights abuses. But the victims? I hardly knew them. There were 10,000 persons represented in these files that we were pouring over. They were represented by their own words, words often written by their own hands or those of their families or even their neighbors. They had to fill out this document, nakasulat nun, name of victim, address, date of birth, occupation, name and address of victim's next of kin or beneficiary, date of arrest, place of arrest, military or paramilitary unit making the arrest. Injury sustained, cause of death. To whom was the death reported? And then, sa next page, nakasulat, Describe here the circumstances and details of summary execution or torture. Naka-attach sa mga dokumentong to, mga medical certificates, death certificates. There were photos of survivors photos of funerals, pictures of the dead exactly the way they were found. They were lying on the grass, they had clothes on or were naked. Bruises colored their skin. There was blood caked on their flesh. Yung isang mama, bukas pa yung mata niya. His head fell limp to the side. In another photo, a woman's shoulder was torn open to reveal the pink stuff inside. It was ripped open by a bullet. There were pictures of a massacre in South Cotabato. Seventeen died there. May apat na bata. Their ages were one, three, five, and seven. They'd been shot dead. There were newspaper clippings, arrest warrants, and release papers attached to these documents. My handwritten descriptions of what had happened to them or their loved ones. Some were crookedly typewritten. Some were in beautiful cursive. Others were in laborious scrawl. Some descriptions were short, to the point. Meron namang iba, mas mahusay pa sa ating lahat kung magsulat. Some people, clearly, had processed more than others. May affidavits na... Clinical naman or technical yung pag-describe ng mga sugat nila. Under the question, describe here the circumstances and details of your torture, many affiants filled the page with all the details they could remember. But one man simply wrote, Una, walang hintong bugbog sa lahat ng bahagi ng katawan. Pangalawa, pagkuryente sa bayag. Pangatlo, pagpapakain ng tae. Pang-apat, walang hintong interrogasyon. Another affiant wrote this to describe his torture. Cutting a part of my ear and threatened to death. 
and other accounts read like complete scenes in some dark play. At one point, they brought in an artist member of my group who pointed to me as the one who recruited him. The police ordered him to hit me since it was presumably my fault that he was now in trouble with the government. And under threat of being beaten up myself, the artist punched me on the stomach a few times, after which the police told me it was now my turn to hit him back. Instead of hitting him back, however, I hugged the artist and he wept in my arms. The police was enraged and that was when I was subjected to electric shocks over and over again. I learned that there were some standard methods of torture. Run around the military camp, under the sun, in your underwear. Tapos, balik ka sa loob. Stand in front of the aircon for an hour. Or... Karito, let me shove your face down the toilet. May lumulutang ba? Many were beaten black and blue. Many had their ribs broken. And not a few remember a tooth or two falling out. And soldiers were apparently smoking in some of these sessions. Alam natin to because victims remember the cigarettes being put out on their palms, their nostrils, even their eye sockets. Other body parts, yung muka, chan, batok especially, they were met with the butts of rifles. Every now and then, my companions and I would come across particularly inventive methods of torture. And then, we'd read it aloud. Noong 1982, ay nagsimula na akong dumanas ng di makataong pagtrato ng mga sundalo. Tulad ng paggapo sa akin ng patalikod ang mga kamay. Pagtatali sa leeg gamit ang tali ng kalabaw habang hinihila nila ang lubid papunta sa lubluban ng kalabaw. Pambubugbog sa iba't ibang dako ng katawan. Pagsipa, pagsuntok, pagsampal. Dalawang kamay na pagsalubong ng pagsampal sa aking mukha na sakop ang tenga. Pagsisipilyo ng katawan ng bulaklak ng rose sa aking labi at gilagid kaya nagkasugat-sugat ang aking bibig. Pagsundot ng tingting ng walis sa aking ari. I was further detained for six months more and there I was buried three times in a throat deep pit, forcing me to admit to being a rebel. Sa totoo lang, naluluha kami dun sa kwartong yun, rifling through memories, through the suffering of others. By means of what seemed to be a small wooden hammer, my testicles would be hammered by quick, sharp blows. At other times, the hard blows to the chest would be delivered simultaneous with the twirling of chicken feathers and thin coconut leaf midribs into my nostrils. The victims of martial law included lawyers, activists, and yes, there were genuine rebels. Pero andun din yung mga driver, mga karpintero, factory workers, fishermen, Businessmen, soldiers, nuns, housekeepers, housewives, teachers, students, farmers upon farmers upon farmers upon farmers. Ang lingwahe nila, Tagalog, Cebuano, Ilongo, Ilocano, English, Waray, and many other languages. They were from Metro Manila, Zamboanga del Norte, Davao del Sur, Agusan del Sur, Maguindanao, Antique, Samar, Quezon, Laguna, Pampanga, Cagayan, Ilocos Norte. Every region is represented. 
Before they were captured or killed, they had been setting rice out to dry. They'd been cutting wood for fuel. They'd been coming out of church after mass. They'd been having dinner, studying, reading, waiting for jeepneys or watching the TV with their families. Their houses were razed. Their animals were stolen. Their children, their wives, husbands, mothers, and fathers were manhandled before their very eyes. Neighbors recounted how some were ordered to climb the coconut trees they were tending to. As they reached the top, they were shot and fell back down either dead or to die. Parang hindi exciting enough pag sa lupa ka lang binarili. Many bodies were riddled with bullets. Their eyes were gouged out. Their ears were ripped. Their remains were found in wells, muddy creeks, deep pits, rice fields, or out in the open. As the week wore on, I realized that I never realized how people could not only be cruel, but inventive in coming up with ways to hurt their fellow men and women. Many people were crippled as a result of torture. Their hands and legs were reduced to immobile limbs. And they could never forget. Or some struggled against going mad, either trying or refusing to forget. The reminder stayed on, right there on what remained of their bodies and spirit. Pilay, bali, at bugbog ang maraming parte ng katawan. Masakit ang likod at dibdib dahil sa kulatan ng baril. Nagkaroon ng deperensya sa likod, dibdib, at baga. Payat, mahina at naging masasakitin na ang biktima mula noon. At matagal na di nakapagtrabaho dahil sa dinanas. The majority of these people, and let me repeat, there were thousands of them, were arrested or killed, quote, on mere suspicion, end quote. In various accounts from Mindanao, for example, it was plainly stated that since they were Muslim Filipino, they were therefore suspected to be allied with the Moro National Liberation Front. One victim, in accomplishing their affidavit, answered the questions with questions. Mayroon sana akong itatanong kung pwede. Una, pwede bang patayin kung ang isang tao ay suspect lang? Pangalawa, hindi ba dapat na ikulong ito? Pangatlo, bakit ang mga pulis ay walang aksyon? Pangapat, wala na bang hustisya para sa kanila? Panlima, ano ngayon? ang aming dapat gawin. In the late 1980s to the 1990s, hundreds of lawyers and volunteers drove or commuted hundreds of miles across every region of the Philippines. They crossed rivers, climbed mountains, traversed peaceful paddies to set up desks in barangay halls or under trees if need be find victims, to chase down their memories, and to put everything down in writing. For the many who could not write, the volunteers took dictation, and they typed. We know human rights violations happened during martial law, 
not only because we saw and touched and handled with as much care as we could these affidavits boxed in a garage, but also because the government had already started paying reparations to thousands of victims. The government pays them out a fraction of billions of dollars in funds stolen by the Marcuses and their cronies. So we know that that is real too. This application for some financial relief could be one way of rendering justice to us victims of this violation of our rights to dissent and resist dictatorship in our land. I owe it to my son and to the future citizens of this country that we get some kind of justice. After we made photocopies of hundreds of affidavits, we brought them to the University of the Philippines. And for one week, we invited students, teachers, and the public to see them. And as I and our team had done, to read them and in fact, record them. We still do that every so often, pop-up stagings of our memory project. When you see an affidavit and hold it in your hand, and read it out in your own voice, you become like me, unable to forget, thankful for that condition, but also burdened to keep recounting for those who would otherwise be forgotten. Muli ako po si Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. You've been listening to Teka Teka News. This episode was written by myself. The script was edited by Robbie Alampay. And audio editing by Carl Sayat. Additional voiceovers by Carl Sayat, Mark Casillian, and Franco Luna. Join us over the next few weeks in commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Martial Law. If you found value in this episode, Please share it with a friend. Sama-sama tayo. Tulong-tulong tayo. Let's never forget. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.